This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It's a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. I want to thank you for tuning in to watch today. We may have those watching for the first time, and we want to welcome you to our broadcast. Stay tuned today as we discuss this question, what is your life? What an intriguing question. What is your life? Stay tuned as we discuss it today. Now, on Getting to Know Your Bible, we offer a free Bible correspondence course. I emphasize the word free. Free. It's free. And all you have to do is to, to order the course, or you can take it online, but you, that you might know more about the course, we're going to pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I'm going to be reading today from the book of James, chapter 4, beginning in verse 13. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such a, in such a city and spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a, a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Think about that question asked in the text here. For what is your life? For what is your life? You know, there's not a soul watching this telecast, and, and, and this includes your speaker, that knows how much time any one of us has left. You say, well, you know, tomorrow I'm going to do thus and so. Tomorrow I'm going to I have plans. And it's well and good to make plans, but, but it was Solomon in Proverbs 27 and 1 says, boast not yourself of tomorrow. Don't boast about it. For a man does not know well, what a day may bring forth. We don't know what tomorrow may bring to us. In Luke, the 12th chapter, there's a, uh, the, the Lord told about a man who, who boasted about what he was going to do in the future. He had built new barns to put all of his produce in, and, and he boasted about what he was going to do. He was going to eat and he was going to drink and, and, uh, and live a long, long time. And the Lord said, you're a very foolish man. 
because this very night your soul will be required of you. And he said, then who will those things be you've provided? You see, the man didn't have as much time as he thought. What is your life? You, you know, it's profitable for us to study the lives of people. Th think about how we benefit when we study, for example, the life of a man called Abraham. Abraham is called the friend of God. And he's also called the father of the faithful. And there's so many wonderful, profitable things we learn from Abraham. Think about how profitable he is to study the life of the man called Moses. Moses, uh, who was the leader of God's people through the wilderness. And, and, and Moses, who had his ups and he had his downs. And think about leading a group of complaining people. Moses' life contains so many great lessons. One of the great lessons is illustrated by the Hebrew writer when he said, when Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. That we learn from the life of Moses that, that one decision determined the course of a lifetime. To think about the benefit of studying the life of a man called Daniel. And Daniel was a young man when he was carried into captivity along with God's people. But while in captivity, Daniel stood tall. He stood firm. He refused to yield to the culture around him. Daniel 1.8 says he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. He purposed. He made up his mind. He made a decision. So it's profitable to study the lives of other people. But you know, it's better if we study our own life. What is your life? Well, let, let's all think about that question as it relates to our own life. What is your life? Well, what is your life so far as its length is concerned? Or to put it another way, what is your life as to its brevity? You know, when we study the Bible, we learn that our lives are compared to a number of things. For example, in Psalms, the 39th chapter and verse 5, they're referred to a handbreadth. Man's life is just like a handbreadth. In Psalms 73, man's life is compared to a dream. It's just like a dream. Have you ever said, I just, can't, I just cannot... Uh, understand where all of the years have gone. They've gone by so quickly, almost like a dream, isn't it? And then in Job the seventh chapter and verse six, man's life is compared to being swifter than a weaver shuttle. And then in the text that I just read from James chapter four, man's life is compared to a vapor that appears for just a short period of time and then it just vanishes away. In Job 14 and 2, man's life is compa compared to a flower, a flower that grows up, the life of a flower. The flower grows up, and then the flower blooms. It's withered, cut down. See, the life is so very brief. It's so short. Why, in 2 Samuel 14 and 4, life is compared to water spilled on the ground. Well, what happens when you spill water on the ground? It's not long until it absorbs into the soil. You see, life is brief. That's the reason in Psalms chapter 90 and 12, the psalmist said, So teach us to number our days 
that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Right now, we are in the seed time of life. And the seed time of life is going to determine the fall harvest. Galatians 6, 7, and 8 says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. And he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Right now, we are sowing seeds that we're going to, to reap in eternity. One day we're going to give an account of how we've lived this life, this brief life that we have. You know, the days of our years are threescore and ten. If by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. And you see, a person may live to be a hundred years old or a hundred and ten years old. That's not uncommon to hear of that nowadays. But what's a hundred years or a hundred and five years or a hundred and ten years compared to eternity? It's nothing. You see, one day we're going to stand before God and give an account of the seeds that we've sown in this life. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10 says, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Folks, we're going to die one day. And my prayer is the, the prayer in Numbers 23:10, let me die the death of the righteous. Well, folks, to die the death of the righteous, you've got to live the life of the righteous. Wouldn't you not agree with that? You can't live one way and die some other way. Uh, but if you want to die the death of a righteous person, you've got to live the life of a righteous person. And a righteous person does what God tells them to do. You know, in Psalms 119, verse 172, the psalmist said, All thy commandments are righteousness. For me to live a righteous life, I must obey the Lord. And when I obey the Lord, then it comes my time to leave this world. I can die the death of the righteous. So I'm not going to live much longer. You say, well, how old are, are you, Brother Lambert? I'm past their three score and ten, I'll tell you that. That's all I'll tell you. And so, uh, but I'll tell you this, regardless of how old I am, if I were 20 years old, I still don't have much time left. If I were 30 years old, I'd have less. 50, much less. 70, a lot less. You see, time is passing by us so rapidly. Life is brief at its very best. That's true for every one of us. What is your life as to its past? What have you been? Well, what, what have you been? Think about it. it. It might be, as you stop and think about your past, you need to change. Or to put it in biblical terminology, you might need to be converted. When you think about the way you've lived your life, and you think about the past, you say, I want to change my past. We, we hear from people continuously who have watched getting to know your Bible, who've taken the Bible course, who've studied the Bible for themselves, and have changed their lives. And God has forgiven them of all of the sins of their past. That's why in Acts 3.19, the Bible says, Repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. 
In the second chapter of Acts, there's a parallel passage to Acts 3.19. Peter's the same spokesman, and, and he's asked the question, what, men and brethren, what shall we do? And here's his inspired answer. Repent and be, con, uh, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. So in Acts 2.38, it's repent and to be baptized for remission of your sins. Acts 3.19, repent and be converted, that your sins be blotted out, which is equivalent to having your sins forgiven. So I understand that in order to be converted, I must believe on Christ, repent of my sins. I must be baptized for the remission of my sins. And then I'm converted. I'm changed. And when you're changed, the old is gone and you're now new. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. But now think about your past. Are you really satisfied with your past? Uh, are you satisfied with the way that you have been as a husband? You say, well, when I get to thinking about it sometimes, Brother Lambert, I, I'm really not satisfied with the, the way I've been as a husband. I, I don't know that I've treated my wife the way that a wife deserves to be treated. Are you satisfied with yourself as a wife? Uh, are you really happy with the way that you've treated your husband? You see, when we think about the home, we're talking about relationships. And, and if Christianity does not work in your family, in your home, folks, it's not going to work anywhere else. So how are we treating one another in the home? Are you satisfied the way you've been as a husband, the way you've been as a wife? Are you satisfied, really happy with how you have conducted yourself as a parent in the home? Or do you let your children do just as they please? without any discipline, without any restraint whatsoever. If you're doing that, you're going to go to your grave weeping one day because of what you've done to your children. Children deserve better than that. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he'll not depart from it. You see, children have a, a, a right to parents who care for them enough they try to train them and bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Maybe I have some children that are watching right now. Are you really happy with your past as a child, the way you've treated your mother and your daddy? Sometimes I see children that are so disrespectful of their parents. So very disrespectful. And all I can say is you ought to be ashamed of yourself. The Bible says, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Are you really satisfied with your past? Have you been a bundle of bad habits that you need to break? Have you really been honest? Have you been honest at school? Have you been honest at work? Have you been honest with the government? That is, on your income tax, have you really been honest? Have you been honest with your spouse? Have you really been honest and trustworthy with your spouse? 
Think about your past. What is your life as to its past? And what is your past going to do to make you a better person? What is your life as to the present? Think about your present. What are you right now? Are you Christian now? Well, you say, you know, Brother Lambert, I've been watching you for a long time and, I've, and, and I, I, I hear what you're saying. I'm not sure that I'll always agree with you. Well, now, are you disagreeing with me or God? Make sure you're disagreeing with Billy. It's okay to disagree with Billy. It's not okay to disagree with God. You say, well, I understand what you mean and, and what you say about believing on Christ, and I believe in Jesus, and, and I really think a person ought to repent of their sins because Jesus said, unless you repent, you shall perish. And I think that we confess Jesus Christ before men, and it's not just a one-time thing. It's something you do for the rest of your life because Jesus said, whoever will confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. Well, that's exactly right. But you say, Brother Lambert, I just don't agree with you about this baptism thing. Because you see, Brother Lambert, I, I, I've never been taught the way you're teaching it. Well, how have, you, how have you been taught? You say, well, I have been taught that you believe in Jesus and you're saved and then you're baptized later on. You believe and are saved and baptized later on. If you want to be. Jesus put it this way. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Let me just urge you to trust Jesus more than you trust Brother Lambert. Trust Jesus more than you trust any other teacher, any other preacher anywhere in the world. Trust Jesus with your soul. I ask you, what are you right now? Are you a Christian? Are you really what you pretend to be? So everybody is not what they pretend to be. Are you a pretender? Are you the real deal? Are you mature? You know, Paul said, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I thought as a child, understood as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. I have seen people in an adult body that acted like children. Are you mature? Are, are you acting mature? And, and are you uh, what God wants you to be? The only person that can change your life is Jesus. He can change you. And, and, and as I read earlier from 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. What is your life as to the present? Now what we've discussed thus far are these points. What is your life as to its brevity? Life is brief. What is your life as to its past? What have you been? What is your life right now? Right now, what are you? What are you right now? But let's think about our life in another vein. And that is, what is your life? as to the future. Have you ever thought about the future? Go to our text that we read from James 4. And there were those who were saying today or tomorrow, 
That's the future. We'll go to such and such a city. We're going to stay there for a year. And we're going to set up shop. We're going to buy and sell. And we're going to make money there. And James says, you don't know what tomorrow is going to happen. You don't know what will happen tomorrow. I do not know what will happen tomorrow. So he asked this question, what is your life? These people were making plans for the future. About all these plans for the future. They were boasting about what they were going to do for an entire year. But James says your life is like a vapor. Like a vapor that appears for a little time and then it's gone. That's the way life is. It's just like a dream. Like water spilled on the ground. It's so short. So when you think about the future, what is your life? You ought to have a purpose for your life in the future. Do you have a purpose today? I think one of the, the observations I've made about modern man is that there is so much aimlessness in modern man. You say, what do you mean by that, Brother Lamb? People don't have a purpose. They don't have a, an aim in life. You, you see, you need a goal in your life. One of the dearest friends I've ever had was a, a man by the name of Jimmy Faulkner Sr. Jimmy Faulkner Sr. was such an unusual man. He had been a politician. He had been a, uh, a publisher. He was, a very, uh, he was an entrepreneur. He was involved in so many different things. And there are two colleges named for him, Faulkner State College in Baymanette, Alabama, what was his hometown. And also Faulkner University in Montgomery, Alabama is named for Jimmy Faulkner. And Jimmy told me numbers and numbers of times that his only purpose and his only goal in life was to go to heaven. And it seemed as though the older he got, the more he longed to reach that goal. His desire was to die practically penniless, that is to give everything he had away. And I'm convinced that he possibly did that. And he just wanted to go to heaven. He had a goal, a short-term goal he wanted to reach. He, he wanted to write a little track, and he wanted to circulate that track. He, it was, he was never able to accomplish that, and, and the track was going to read, let's just go to heaven. Let's go to heaven. And wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if all of us had that purpose for our life that we want to go to heaven? I don't understand all about heaven. I'll be frank with you. I do not understand all there is to know about heaven. But this one thing I do know, I want to go there. I want to go there, number one, because my Father is there. My Heavenly Father is there. Jesus taught the wall to pray, Our Father which art in heaven. God is in heaven. 
And I want to go there because Jesus is seated at his right hand. So my Savior is there. The King is there. The King of kings is there. The Lord of lords is there. Well, folks, I want to go to heaven. Let me ask you, what's your purpose? What's your goal? What's your aim? You say, well, well, I, you know, Brother Lambert, I understand what you're saying. And, and I realize how important it is to be a Christian. And I, I realize how important it is to go to heaven. But, you know, th things are so hard now. I said I have to work all the time. And when I do have a little time off, you know, I, I, like to, I like to try to relax a little bit. Sunday is the only time I have to rest. And, 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 and so I, I'm just sorry, Brother Lambert. I just don't have time to weave Christianity in right now into my life. Do you really want to go to heaven? More than any other thing. Let me listen. To, let me, just listen to what Paul wrote about heaven. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. In the preceding verse, Paul said, Christ will be magnified in my body whether by life or death. Whether he was going to live or die, he was going to live for Jesus. You see, there comes a point in our lives when we think about our life. We think about how brief it is when we think about where we've been, where we are, and we think about the future. There comes a point, or at least there should come a point, where we make a major decision. And that major decision is this. I whatever else happens in this world, however much money I have or don't have, however, uh, however I'm able to live the standard of living I have or I don't have, whatever happens, Above all things, I want to go to heaven. And I will not allow anyone or anything to prevent me from going there. Because one day I want to be with my Lord. Is that your purpose? When you think about the future, well, what is your hope for the Do you have any hope for the future right now? Jesus is our hope. Give your life to Him. Would you not do that as quickly as as possible. I want to thank you for watching today and may I give you a personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community and if you're not certain where the church is located, contact us. We'll get you the address. And if you visit a Church of Christ and you feel like you'd feel, be better suited somewhere else, you call us. We'll find another one somewhere else. We want to help you. We want you to go to heaven one day. And so let me urge you right now to pick up the phone, call for the Bible course. I want to thank you for watching today. Till we meet again, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you as my prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.org. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at knowyourbible at golftel.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214.
Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.